0: what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we have a list of reasons why small businesses fail, and I'm happy to report that listening to our podcast is not on it, but we'll tell you what it is. Our guest today is Eric Buckland, who is an entrepreneur who has led a successful startup, pitched for investment dollars, sold it to a large company and now is looking to do it for a second time. We're going to be talking with him about putting together a pitch for equity investors and find out why he wants to go through this process again. Finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you need to be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how you doing?
2: Jeff, I'm doing great, although I'm a little tired and a little Worried about next week, but I'm excited at the same time.
1: So, your you're next week you will be traveling to Louisville, Kentucky to participate in the National Skills USA
2: competition. Yes, exactly. And how
1: many students are you taking with you?
2: 47. You're
1: taking 47 students. We have any chaperone help?
2: A couple. <laughs> so, it's going to be a, <laughs> a crazy uh, week, but it's going to be a great week, and okay. that's the most we've ever taken. And we're very excited. And of course, we're taking eight of your students that will be competing in the entrepreneurship college division and the entrepreneurship high school division. Again, we'll be the only school in the country that has a high school and a college team competing. So congratulations to you. Well, and so it, these podcasts are obviously working.
1: Well, and, I, and as, as you know, I gave them important advice this week about staying out of trouble and not getting arrested.
2: Yes. So. And I followed back up and said, that this is – Muller and I would, don't want to pick them up at the prison okay, cool. or anywhere else that might be bad.
1: I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, I, we wish you safe travels, and, and uh, you know, we, always, we always try to talk a little bit about some interesting stuff that we've come over, and, and I was, uh, just came across an article uh, that was quoting a study done by the National Association of Small Businesses, which I'm going to assume is a reputable uh, organization for the purpose of our podcast, or at least as reputable as our podcast. And was talking about the top causes of small business failure, and and I, I sort of saw a theme. And you know, we're always trying to say, hey, these are some things you should be looking out for. But the number one thing that they came up with, or and this is self-reported by small business owners, is
2: no market need, lack of research. Man, we spend that. Uh, talk about that a lot of time, spent a ton of time talking about that. Well, so, yeah, you know, really recently we've had some folks talking about it. Said, you, you don't develop a product and then go out and try to find somebody to sell it to, you want to solve a problem, uh, a process, or a product, uh, but it happens a lot.
1: Well, and one of the concepts that uh, I, I suspect our, our guest is familiar with is, is discovery and traction, You know, trying to make sure that you actually have customers out there that want to buy your
2: product, and that's yeah, if you that's don't okay. have
1: that, it's your, your Exactly, your, and that doesn't
2: problem. mean you may develop a product and you just want to make sure that if it's really good that you try to develop what's the marketing plan that's going to find the target market that's going to best fit that product.
1: Number two issue... Ran out of cash. Yeah, you know, They gotta gotta have the money. You know, some people start businesses and uh, you you know it might be a little while before people embrace your product or services, and you need to make sure that you've got the the startup capital to not only get up and running, but to be sustaining for several well, months or again, maybe a year before you're going to start making any money.
2: You got to have a plan. You know, rose-colored glass, We all get excited, but we got to make sure we have enough cash to make it to when it hits the big time.
1: Third uh, thing on their list: not the right team. Got to have the right people on the bus. Mm-hmm, definitely. Fourth one I found interesting, and it was got out competed. Out competed.
2: That's interesting. I
1: mean, I think it's interesting that people might have the self-realization to maybe see that at least. You know, sometimes uh, you have to uh, be able to look in the mirror and,
2: and understand well, that. Maybe there's somebody who's more committed. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows.
1: And the last one, or the fifth one, there's some longer, but I sort of stopped at number five, was pricing and cost issues, which to me sort of go back to the understanding the market need and making sure that the, the whole thing fits together and that I might have a wonderful product, but if I price it at such a price that people can't afford it
2: or have other options, they might they not they might not. I'll brag ahead. on you because the students that are going to nationals for these two teams – I watched you talk to them about not just the product and what to do, but that they do need to understand the financial side of the business and understand what pricing impacts could have. And I think they're learning that at a very early age, and that's very, very important. So kudos to you.
1: Well, I hope they just stay out of jail. Good luck with that. (laughs) Well,
2: that's my first goal, too.
1: Well, let's let's introduce our guest today. Uh, Eric Bucklin is with it. Eric, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great. Yeah. Uh, glad Excited you're with us. Excited to be here. Welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. And Thank and you. Uh, Eric has, you know, I'm going to throw a number out because it's on your LinkedIn profile. Thirty years' experience commercializing optical technologies with a focus in identifying and developing new application and businesses. Eric's the founder and CEO. Of Bioptogen, did I say that, that correct? That was my
0: previous company. Okay,
1: it was an international brand recognized for superior imaging systems and transitional research, pediatric, and surgical ophthalmology. A lot of multisyllabic big
0: words there, Eric. We, we only use big words. <laughs> uh, yes. So,
1: which you sold to Leica Microsystems in 2015. That's right. You have 70 patents. For, and growing. Plus or minus, right. or plus, for plus. FDA 510K clearances. Not even sure what that is, but
0: it sounds significant. Yeah, they're medical devices, and we got them through the regulatory process, which is that's full of amazing. its own uh, landmines. Our listeners will qu- quickly realize that Eric is much
1: smarter than either Gary yeah, or I. Trust me, yeah, that's what I was thinking about leaving. He has a master's <laughs> in physics from North Carolina State University and a Ph.D. in optical physics from the University of Rochester. So right. he's got some chops. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so you yeah, know we're we're, we're going to NC
0: State. NC okay. State for my first two degrees, right? My daughter I
2: just my graduated mother. from NC State. You were, you
1: were two in Chapel Hill for a very for a piece of time I, as well. I played
0: in Chapel Hill for a couple years and then decided uh, I needed to buckle down. And there so you I go. went to the real. Sc- I, 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 I went to. Sorry, I love Chapel Hill and Duke and Wake Forest. I, and, and, and I went to Wake Forest.
2: <laughs> and my daughter just graduated from State. And, so and yeah. Duke's not that so great, so That's anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get a lot of support for He's them. He's currently
1: right here. working on a new startup, uh, translational imaging innovation. Yes and uh, that integrates uh, uh, imaging science workflows and advanced analytics for research and clinical trials. Uh, so anyway, you, you, you've done a lot of this, uh, and you, you, you have it, what they call in the biz
0: a track record. I have a track record. Whether I want everyone to know all of the track record or not is a different story.
1: Well, we'll tell you know, you know, so you've... Taken, uh, you've you started a company successfully. Gone out there, raised money for it. Actually, ended up selling it. Uh, uh, tell us a, just a little bit about your sort of experience as an entrepreneur. I mean, how to you know where, where did this come from? You, at one point, I know you worked for Corning, and you 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 were sort of a corporate guy at one point in
0: time. I, I would say I'm in the second half of my second career right now. My first career was corporate. I worked for three multinational companies. I was in the fiber optics industry, which is big in our in our region, and I worked for a Japanese company, Sumitomo Electric, and then I worked for Alcatel, which is now Prismium. Then I went to Corning, so I've been all over the uh, telecom and fiber optics space. In each of those roles, it was a bit of a startup in those environments, so helped establish a new manufacturing operation for Sumitomo in the United States. And then Alcatel was bringing their global R and D into the United States mm-hmm. at their uh, uh, their their Conover facility, right. I guess it's Conover. And uh, then Corning was starting a new business at the toe of the telecom bubble that we might remember. And so I was part of at that Corning tend to hire uh, entry level and then grow employees and at this stage they, they wanted to hire some outside people, get some new new thinking and experience. So I got hired as part of a core team to build a new business inside Corning and which was a, a great run, but we went from uh, five people to four hundred people in three years and zero revenues to forty million dollars in three years. And then this little thing called the telecom bubble collapse mm-hmm. happened. And so I spent a year and a half helping Corning disassemble their photonics operation, and uh, said, okay, uh, enough of the corporate world. i got to do this on my own. And uh, so <laughs> so my, my, uh, my objective actually was, uh, one is I wanted to do something in North Carolina, because this is where I live. had to be in optics, because that's what I know. Uh, wanted it to be a spin-out of a university, because I'm a techie guy, and I wanted some high-tech stuff. And I wanted to get out of telecom... And do something in life sciences, which I had no reason to expect I could do. But that's what I did. So I uh, I found a, a professor at Duke University in biomedical engineering, shout out to Joe Isaac, and uh, convinced him to uh, start a business with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a, about a year of getting to know each other before uh, we, were, we were actually running, and um, but we did so we we raised money on sbir grants angel investors and strategic investors we can talk about all that ran it for uh, 11 years before we sold it so it was a, it was great and so why did i do the entrepreneurial thing it's it's i had had my experience in the corporate i'm not a corporate guy i don't i don't do well in that i do okay i don't do well in that environment and uh once you get this in your blood i think it's what you do so it's if you do it, it's hard to go back to corporate, and that's why I'm doing my side work.
1: Well, and 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 I guess some people call it being an entrepreneur, and that, that right, there are organizations right. mm-hmm. that have very entrepreneurial-oriented people in them that that might be starting new divisions, might be doing new plants, might be doing various things. And it sounds like there were some seeds planted there at some point. There in were time. seeds planted uh, all along that, and uh, it just took a while for me to grow up and and sprout. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, what we really want to focus on, and uh, for our listeners, is to you know every you know everyone too many people watch Shark Tank and they yep. they go out there and and sometimes they think you oh, that at you know, me? No, 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 <laughs> you're, you're, you should be watching Shark Tank, but a lot of people uh, might think that oh that's it looks so easy. Yeah. You just go up there and make a pitch, and there are people ready to write checks and 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 everything like that. And it ain't so easy when it comes down to it. Uh, so. Uh, you have made presentations and pitches to investors and and I think that you have been funded through investors and I know that 's something that you 're working on right now that's with right. your with your current uh, newer business so um, you know when when people are making pitches or you know let 's start off with are there certain t- types of businesses that equity investors uh, angel investors are have a more have more interest in funding and are there certain things of now, really, that's something that's going to come out of your pocket or the friends and family pocket, you know, to, to sort of help us understand what the, what the landscape looks like out there.
0: Well, well first, let me say Shark Tank um, doesn't make it look easy. So if you know anything about the background, right, people spend many tens of, well, tens of thousands of dollars preparing. They get taken through grinders before they can, you know, so this happens in, in pitching anyway. Yeah. You, you have to go through screening processes. There's a series of steps. It's not a pitch isn't the end it's not even. It's not the beginning, and it's not the end uh, of the process. And uh, the questions that are asked in Shark Tank, I think, are quite relevant. And by the way, they don't close close all the deals that they say they're going to close. So yeah, that's you're just when looking start at the, the fun dealings. part of, of of people who uh, learn a little bit of uh, Ronco micro advertising to uh, We love so to
2: use Shark Tank just as a, a way to get students kind of interested in, and they can kind of see the TV side, fun side of it. And well,
0: uh, I do think that the, right. the the uh, uh, the, the Shark Tank um, investors ask good questions, and I think that's the important part yes. to take away. They, they really do ask the business-oriented questions. So uh, the type of business uh, – let's forget Shark Tank now. So the type of business that we want to take uh, in front of an investor, of course, depends on who the investor is. So as you mentioned, uh, let, let's talk about kind of three, cate- four categories of investors. You have friends and family. Some people say the triple F. There's, their, there's friends, a, family, and fools. There's a fool in there as well. <laughs> and uh, uh, then then we have angel investors, and angels can be either uh, individuals, individual angels, people who are investing their own capital, or groups of angels and in, in, in networks, and they organize in different ways. Um, the important thing about angels, as opposed to the next group we'll mention, is that they're investing their own money; so it comes out of their pocket. The third group are, is venture capital, and uh, venture capital, they have limited partners, so the venture capital firms are investing somebody else's money, so they have a different sort of accountability for for the returns. The fourth group, I'll say, are strategic partners. So strategic partners are companies that see something in what you're doing and, and uh, think they can take a little risk with you at the hope of getting... Uh, an ability to work with you after your, your, your product is validated and scales. So, for my previous company, which was Bioptogen, we were a spin out of Duke University. Um, we started with friends and family because, well, we actually started, let me add SBIR grants, Small Business Innovation Research Grants. So, if you're doing something technical, there is a government funding avenue, which everyone should take advantage of if, if they can.
1: And, and I would say, you know, because we get people that come into our center looking for business grants, they are, they are limited to certain industries or more, more likely to be given to certain industries. It's not going to be that, for the, right. it's not the for, person to open your coffee shop or something
0: that, like that, that. That, that. That's exactly right. So um, uh, when you're raising, so, so friends and families, your parents, your own mortgage, People who trust you, but the point about friends and families is they're investing in you and not the business because they don't know how to value the business. Right, and it's a, it's important on a couple of ways to to both treat them fairly, but not so fairly that the next investors are going to say, you know, why did you give away your company to friends and family? We well, can get back into that if you'd like. Uh, angels, everything. Um, so so the next group we we raised from were angel investors. And uh, angel groups, both out of the North Carolina ecosystem, but we were all along, let's say, the Atlantic seaboard, and we raised from Savannah up to Pittsburgh over time. Um, angels tend to get more serious about the business, and they want to return. So the sort of businesses that angels invest in, they, they have to have a couple of criteria. One is they have to generate revenue over a short, relatively short period of time, and generally... And it's not, it's not 100%, but angels like to see that you already have traction through revenue because there's only so much risk they're willing to take. But that's not 100% of the time. Um, and they want to see you can get to sizable revenue in a relatively short period of time because they don't want to support you until your retirement. So, you know, typically they want you out and they want to exit in five years. So um, they also want to know that they can fund you enough to get you where you're going. So they don't want to get in at an early round and then you're going to go off to VCs and start raising more money. That's going to dilute them. That happens, that can happen, and it mm-hmm. happens a lot. But they're really looking for things where they can make a difference with the amount of money they can put mm-hmm. in. But these have to be scalable businesses. These aren't local lifestyle. businesses. Nah, these aren't nah, lifestyle. lifestyle These aren't right? lifestyle. Business. These have to be scalable businesses that somebody will want to buy because they can scale it further mm-hmm. than you could. Venture capital, go after bigger opportunities. Uh, so so angels, an individual group, will will invest anywhere between, let's say, 100000 and a million. Uh, a million is a large investment for an angel fund. They usually keep uh, what we call dry powder so they can come back in for follow-up investment of about double the amount. So that's so how they manage their funds. But you have to imagine that you can get where you need to go on... A million, two million, three million, maybe five million dollars worth of investment uh, over over a couple of years with, with angels. Um, if that's all you need, venture capital doesn't isn't interested in you because they've got a bunch of money. So, uh, you know, they got tens of millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars that they need to put to work, and they have to go after big opportunities. So, venture capital goes after opportunities that can turn into hundred million dollar businesses or or more. Mm-hmm. And so you you have to know where your business is likely to be and then uh go for the money at at the right place. We don't always know, right? So we don't know on either side because sometimes we have rose-colored glasses and we think we've got the next billion, we got the next unicorn. Um or sometimes we're nervous about what we have and we undersell what we're doing. So so these aren't necessarily easy decisions to make at any any time. So, so you talked a little about a screening process.
1: It's not like you just uh, Google uh, North Carolina angel investors, although you can, and, right. and show up on their, on their doorstep and say, hey, I'm here. I know you've been waiting for me. It's time. I'm ready right. to make my pitch. Talk to us a little bit about uh, how the – just in order to, to make a pitch, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the screening process that you go through to, to, yeah. to get to that point.
0: I, and and uh, we have to to think about the numbers game. And, and honestly, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But but a a group is going to see hundreds of pitches for everyone, or hundreds of opportunities for everyone they invite to pitch in front of their group. So how do, it's it's like a resume for your company. So how are you going to get through that? So generally. If you, if you make a cold call, right, if you go apply for a job and just knock on the door, that's one way, and then they give you an application to fill out, and then it sits on a desk, a stack of 200 applications. Or you go through your network and you get introduced, right? So it's always better to get a job through an introduction, and it's always better to get in front of an investor through an introduction. That That's kind of the first step. So, And, and I would say to that, if, if you don't have credibility through someone in your network to make an introduction you're probably not ready to pitch anyway somebody's somebody's got to believe in you mm-hmm. and kind of carry you up this this stairway mm-hmm. uh, so assume you you've got enough of an introduction that you can get in and you send you send your deck in and the first screening you don't see cuz someone's looking over your deck and saying do I want to call this person for a phone interview again very much like a job interview mm-hmm. Then we tend to have a phone interview, go over the pitch, get interrupted a lot, ask questions, tend to be short calls, Uh, then they'll get back to you to say, okay, I think uh, our membership would like to see you pitch. Uh, Then you get invited to pitch, and depending on the organization, and uh, so I pitched last week at the uh, Charlotte Angel Fund. You get 10 minutes. So you get 10 minutes. You've been working on this for a year and taking all the complexity that you know about the market and your product and why you're so good, and you got to tell them in 10 minutes. you got to tell people you don't know in the membership group what you're, what you're pitching.
2: And get them excited.
0: And get them excited. And again, uh, they're not going to offer you the job. They're, they're not going to make the investment. All that is an invitation to take the next steps. So that's kind of the, that's the process. And um, the the hard part is knowing what to communicate when and clearly. And uh, I may have done it, but it's not easier for me today. Any easier for me today than it was yesterday?
1: So yeah, you know, I, I suspect the challenge. Uh, you, know, you, you talk about you know you're 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 living, sweating, bleeding this company, and you have to boil it down to ten minutes and try to get people interested in it. So you know when. Do you have recommendations, suggestions? Are there are there certain elements that are are key to include in that presentation? I, I sort of assume that you have to convince people that there's a viable opportunity, a viable market, a, a problem that you're solving. I and mean, how do you how, yeah. do, how does your mind work in organizing a, a presentation to grab someone's interest? in Well, minutes? my mind
0: doesn't work in doing <laughs> this. But but how should one, if if one could do it the right way. Um, First of all, you you have to work for for clarity and you have to communicate that there is an opportunity with a problem that you understand. And even saying that, you want to do that on one slide. So that's hard enough. Um, then you, you want to be able to explain that you have a clear solution for that problem and that opportunity. Um, you want to get across... The value proposition. So the value proposition is, is the statement of economic viability. The econo- Why is somebody going to pay you to solve their problem? All right? So so you may have a solution and uh, that costs them more than what they're doing today and they're not going to switch. Or you save them 3% and it's not worth the time to switch. Or you don't even know where the money goes. Right. But in the end, this is a business and it's about money. So uh, now I, I'm not. There are certainly feel-good sort of things one can sell, and, and I'm not talking about those businesses. And some of them scale quite, quite large. Mm-hmm. And um, my chair keeps sinking. <laughs> <his>
1: <laughs> I know our our listeners are concerned about your chair.
0: Mike, my chair is uh, uh <laughs> So so um, uh, so we have to communicate the value proposition. We have to then be able to talk about how we find and grab our customers. How do we sell? How do we and then how do we scale the customers? How do we grow the market? And then we need to be able to describe our team. We need to be well we need to be able to also say how we fit with respect to the competition and why our product would be better than the competition. Why our team can out execute to your earlier point. Why our team can out execute the competition. And by the way, a common fallacy is, well, I don't really have competition because I'm so creative that I came up with something that nobody else had. Um, usually, like 100% of the time, that's wrong on its face. But second of all, if, if nobody else, if there's no other competition at all, you probably haven't defined a market, and you don't want to be the one who's trying to convince Yeah, that would
2: be it. a good clue that that may
0: be, that would be true. A, that would be a good clue, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, financials. And uh, you you don't want to present all the details of your financials, but you have to show that you have a sense of what revenues you generate, what your top line profitability, or what we call the right. uh, gross margin. Yeah, people is. want to say that
2: you've got a good understanding. You of have the to know what key under, numbers.
0: You have yeah. to know what's under your nose. Yeah. And, and in terms of the key numbers, what are the metrics that are going to drive your business? There because you go. You can't get into the spreadsheets. Um, in due diligence they'll do that but even that's not the killer you just have to know what what metrics are you going to follow that tell you whether you you are on track and meeting or exceeding your your objectives and of course cash flow is critical that's why we raise money because you have to have cash and certainly there's a chicken and egg problem right you need cash to get started but you're asking for cash to to get started so Timing becomes a, a big issue and something that you, as the, the entrepreneur and the CEO, that's your job to figure out manage.
1: So, so um, you know, you're, you're really, when you're making a pitch like you made last week, you're, you're not pitching for someone to come up to you that day and write you a check. You're really pitching to get into a due diligence type situation where they're going to say, hey, this is interesting. We want to know more. We want to kick the tires. Uh, you know, how do you... You, you, you talked a little bit about sharing certain financial information. I mean, do you, are there confidentiality issues that, that concern you, or how do you deal well, with the, that sort of thing?
0: First of all, you will never get a confidentiality agreement signed by an investor. So don't even try. Don't waste time. You'll look like uh, a neophyte. You just file off the turnip truck. So don't do that. Which means that you have to be comfortable sharing the information to get across. And look, the investors see a, a they see a thousand times more things than you see, and don't worry about the confidentiality. Now, you don't you you have to be smart and don't give away things you want to patent. Uh, that's that's for sure. But they're not looking in the box. They want to know your business. What is your business proposition? Mm-hmm. So. You shouldn't even be in a position where that matters. And, and frankly, showing your financials can feel a little scary. You know, is this over-aggressive or does it look like I don't have a business? Don't don't worry about it. Just be honest, it, you know, operate with integrity and, and say what you know. The, the, it is worth kind of keeping in mind that when you send your pitch out, first of all, it, it should be, it's a non-confidential document. Others will see your pitch. They will keep it private in their group, to the extent that they do but they won't right so i can tell i can't count how many pitches i've seen of other groups because people have shared them with me it's really valuable right so just think of it you're going to get pitches that are going to help you grow someone's going to see yours and it's going to help them so just deal with it (laughs) okay um
2: you have a very original approach. to this. Yeah. <laughs> We deal with a lot of folks Quite that say can't do that. Knocks. Can't I know? But you I can't give up this idea? I can't the confidentiality.
0: I mean, and- yeah, but you're you're not you're you're not going to get where you need to go. Okay. And and in the end, if you have a good idea with traction and at whatever level you're at, no two competitors are going to solve the same market problem the same way there's so many dynamics that drive your choices on product, your choices on customer service, your personality, your culture, everything that if you're not offering something unique. So if you if if you don't feel like you're unique enough that you can afford to be in the spotlight a little bit, you probably don't you're not going to win. So
1: so you when you you were talking to us you said you had to make a 10-minute presentation last week. I also suspect there is some time given to the potential investors to ask some questions of you right and any yeah, that's right. Any, any advice or, or you know, any advice in terms of how you deal with those sort of questions or just uh, be open honest and is it okay to say i don't know every now and then
0: it's absolutely okay to say i don't know don't don't make up stories because uh, you're gonna lose credibility you're gonna lose credit credibility is is the one thing you have that can carry you forward and um, so, so you want to maintain you want to maintain your credibility at all costs. Um, come prepared, right? So you've got ten minutes. Uh, the best pitches, I think, have kind of an addendum at the back with a lot of detail and knowing basically like a, a an FAQ. Write your FAQ before you pitch. Here are the things I didn't talk about that people want to know and have answers. So, generally speaking, you still know more than anyone asking you questions, and almost all the time, you'll be able to answer questions that they that they throw at you. If you don't, just say I don't know or I'll get back to you.
1: Are there certain things that uh, you you'd suggest that our listeners avoid when they're making pitches? Any any things that you've stepped in before? Uh, that,
0: that always every day. Uh, the first is remember. You know so much more about your marketing product that they do that you, you can't you – don't try to be the smartest guy in the room and impress them with everything you know. That, and you that, can't do
2: that in 10 minutes anyway. You can't do that in 10 no. minutes. Well, I, I could – ask as an arrogant Let jerk pretty quickly. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that's I mean, true.
1: You're trying to avoid that.
0: Uh, I would say that as well. Don't come across as an arrogant jerk. So I, I've – Heard plenty of feedback of, you know, uh, founders who have come in and they haven't gotten funded and they don't know why. And then I, I hear from the, the investors, you know, I just don't want to work that with that yeah, guy. Yeah, that's key. It is about the people too. It is. Look, it's all about people, right? So everything is about people. When, yep. And uh, starting up a company is no different. You've got to hire people. So um, the, the other is we tend to start because we believe we have a product, a technology, et cetera, well, that happens to serve a solution, so we do frequently start as a technology push, whether that's the right way to do it or not, but we do, and so we get enamored with our technology, and we want to talk about it all the time. we've got to learn not to do that and that's really that's really hard but that's that's what I think most most entrepreneurs do in their pitches that gets them in the most trouble. They spend too much time on their product and their technology rather than how it's serving the customer. So
1: so less technical,
0: more show me help people understand my business model. It's really about the business model. And of course we think, well if they don't understand my product mm-hmm. and my insight, they're not gonna understand the business model. That that takes work. You know, I can say it over and over again. It's like coaching, right? You don't have to be the best tennis player mm-hmm. to be a good coach. So I can coach on this, but I struggle every day because you get it. I'm in my own weeds, right? I, I can't get the mm-hmm. trees out of my head I, um, to look at the forest. So, uh, no matter what we say, it is hard to make the decisions to get your pitch crisp and clear.
1: Oh, cool. Well, any as you know, as we sort of wind up here, any just any other you know from a startup perspective and what you've gone through with uh, one company and. Uh, you know, starting down the journey with a second company? Or do you have any other advice that you would throw out there for, for startups that, uh, that you've gone through from well, I th- experience? I, th-
0: I think it's, uh, I think we kind of have a mythology about startups and entrepreneurism. Not everyone's going to get rich doing this. So you have to first do it for the right reasons. And the journey has to be as important as, as the result you're after because the journey may be a lot longer than you think. So, I think there are probably some some types who can just go after p- the pure business model and, and do it, but most of us can't. We need some reason, so make make sure the reason that you believe in the reason you're doing it, and that uh, you have the perseverance to to keep doing it. Second is you do need money, and uh, so value your investors. Uh, to me, my my investors and some of them be, became board members were invaluable to me going forward. So. Uh, it, it's worth knowing how you're going to raise money. You're, if you're doing something that's scalable, you're going to need money. The third thing I'd say is when are you going to raise money? Uh, this is the hardest part because you need money early, and, but you can't raise money early. So uh, you've got to work with customers and figure out how to get traction early. You, and that helps make sure to, to, the, to the point that you have a market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and build your lead adopters, and even if they're not spending money on you yet, you got to make sure you've got them and that they believe in your product before you go in front of investors. Sounds good. Excellent.
1: Well, Eric, we very much appreciate you sharing your experience and giving our listeners some advice on you know if and when they get the opportunity to pitch. Go hopefully have a do it a little bit better you know but it sounds like uh you know if you uh, if you want to get to carnegie hall you you got to practice so uh you have to practice you, you got to get out there and just uh keep keep swinging
0: at it keep swinging
1: hello this is chris from the foot candle film podcast are you interested in promoting your business to an online audience your ad could be right here consider advertising on the mesh podcast network head over to the mesh.tv for details we often what we like to do, uh, if you are up for it, is we have a, a lightning round of questions that are totally unrelated to business. It's more, you know, delving into your your personal psyche. you. you, you <laughs> that's uh, very scary. Yeah, okay. that's well, so you, you up How for How's This is a yeah. very short answer. You <laughs> know, right? Okay. Let's see what All I right. Do. So, you know, our our lightning round today is sponsored by mm-hmm. by Ned Ryerson Insurance, Whole Life, Home, Auto, Wind, Storm. You can never have enough insurance. So make sure you're insured. Check out uh, Ned Ryerson Insurance. You should Google it. So, Eric, your first question. What is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, that's easy. St. Lucia. St. Lucia? I like to go diving. Okay. Question two. Is a hot dog a sandwich?
0: A hot dog is a sandwich. Of course it is. Okay. Not everyone agrees with that. Well, I got meat in a bun. Okay. There you go. I got a meat between bread. That's a sandwich. All right. And condiments. Your preference godfather star wars or harry potter movies oh that is so easy godfather i, I thought you would all, go that way, way. You, you look like a godfather all kind of guy way.
1: what is your favorite holiday
0: thanksgiving no presents family food
1: is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers
0: i think it will come back and bite them karma will bad get karma them. bad karma okay bad karma
1: is it okay to wear socks with sandals
0: absolutely not
1: last question If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
0: I got three. One, I want perseverance. Perseverance. I want infinite perseverance to get through this process. Okay. Second, I want uh, infinite optimism to get through the uh, down days. And the third is I want luck. I want luck because uh, there's that competition out there. I want them to... To stumble and fall on their face and give me my luck.
1: You, you can tell the sort of person we're dealing with, Gary, because you know, most of the people just say, "I, you know, I want uh, to be able to fly or, <laughs> or, or X-ray vision, you know, and uh, you know, a, a different perspective from today's guest, Eric yeah, Buckland. So, anyway. Eric, if people want to find you, and I don't know if you want to be found, but if they're looking for you, where should they be looking at?, well, you, can, you
0: can look for me on LinkedIn, e no. no, Buckland on LinkedIn. We have now Twitter, so I'm, I'm, I became modern just this week. So at TI Innovations is our Twitter handle. Follow us, T double I double N O V A T I O N S. And we have a website with the TI Innovations dot com. TI Innovations Look us dot up, com. follow us. All
1: right. Stay in touch. Well, we, we, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, we'd like to wind up with our Small Business of the Month uh, feature. So, uh,
2: Gary, what, uh, what small business are you going to give a shout-out to this month? Well, before I say that, Eric, can I uh, use that in my next graduation speech? Absolutely. Perseverance.
0: Yes, you may. Uh, An you optimism can without without, a, a, without a, a watermark. You can okay. just use it, yeah.
2: That was outstanding. That was great. Okay, so my uh, Business of the Month is a little out of character for me in one way. And you actually gave me the idea, Jeff. It's a little scary, it was, isn't it? was beer related to this? Absolutely was. Okay. That's why it's a little out of character, because I have uh, an allergy to... Okay. Uh, and it's right across the street from the Corporate Development Center. You were talking to me about it. You're not using them, are you? No. Nope, this nope. time? Okay. We'll plow ahead. Okay. It's the Patriot brew Through drive-thru for adult beverages outlet. The veteran-owned convenience store offers superior service and convenience, one thing you might know about military veterans is they like to excel in everything they do. So when they decided to open the brute crew through uh, an axe throwing, that's what really uh, interested me about this. Is I, I just passed it every day, many, many, many times. But when you told me that they have axe throwing, I just kind of lost it for a little bit. Uh, but they set out to solve two issues. They solve the importance of uh, convenience stores and uh, time-consuming cutting down on the things that we do. And for the first issue, they solved the drive-through convenience. They got that. The second issue was online store and free home delivery. I didn't know that until I read about them. Uh, so you don't even have to find your car keys if you need them. So you can either drive through or they'll bring it to you. Uh, they're all about making a difference, so that they can change your life and freeing up time for things you love to do, which I guess would be like drinking and ex- an axe-throwing. Axe throwing, yes. We drink a little and then we go throw things.
0: Hopefully in the other order.
2: And there, uh, I learned so much about axe-throwing and liquor, I got a little, a little worried. And they're part of the world axe-throwing lid. I,
1: I did not <laughs> did you know that. You, you've
2: really done your research work. I'm impressed. So I'm sitting there going, this has to be talked about on our podcast. Okay. And, of course... You're not just a promoter. You are a satisfied customer, a if I understand.
1: I am a satisfied customer. I have uh, I visited there, and uh, my son and I did do some axe throwing, and he is now 21, and we might have, we might have sampled a beer
2: or two. Well, while I think there. That's, that's appropriate. An, but I still yeah, Definitely,
1: axe throwing and beer goes to you. I, I was <laughs> going to say, I <laughs> think
2: a and it's appropriate going with your father to you know, show for the alcohol and what you should choose and what okay. you shouldn't. But I still can't get over the axe throwing. Okay, well, but you know what? It's a great hook. It's a great hook. That's a, you took the words right out of my mouth. Better words, actually. Yes, well, I'll, I'll introduce look, you. A, I don't drink much, but I think I'm going to go. Well, I'll introduce you to the guy there
1: that does it, Captain Hook. He doesn't have all his fingers, but, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's all good. So I, and I did suggest that the, the college uh, host uh, you, know, you utilize that for the next uh, retreat. I think that's an awesome yeah.
2: thing. I think so, you need uh, to send that out to uh, did, Dean
1: Melton. I did send that out to there Dean you. Melton. So, anyway. Well, well I'm, I'm glad that you gave them a shout-out. My small business this month is uh, a business called Moolah Saving Mom, which you can, if you go to moolahsavingmom.com, M-O-O-L-A, savingmom.com. It's a website created by an entrepreneur to help families save money through strategic couponing. And strategic couponing is using strategies to maximize your savings by using coupons at the right time and right place. So sometimes it's purchasing more than one. But if you go to, the, to this website, you can they, they actually track which grocery stores are having sales and try to give you the right coupons to maximize your savings and save up your savings. Uh, you can use them in the most effective manner and save up to 50 percent on your grocery bills. The best thing about it for our listeners, it doesn't cost you anything. If you go to moolahsavingmom.com, they don't charge a fee. They just make money. It's it's affiliate marketing. They make money when you download coupons from them. It was started by Jessie Alonzo, who's a mom of four. And she was an expert in using coupons and decided to help others do the same. And she's been doing this for several years, since started in 2010. She's taught coupon classes since 2011 including classes at Wake Forest University and Forsyth County Public Library in North Carolina. That's around Winston-Salem. She also has been a weekly columnist with the Winston-Salem Journal, writing a coupon corner column. So Joe Bob says check that one out. So anyway, very cool. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at eexchange at the mesh dot TV. If we use yours, you'll get an entrepreneur prize pack. We want to thank Eric Buckland for joining us today. And we want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network for hosting us. You should be checking out all the podcasts that the Mesh has to offer at TheMesh.tv. You can subscribe to the Entrepreneur Exchange by visiting iTunes or many of the usual Suspect podcast sites. So anyway, appreciate everybody listening. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next month. And we wish Gary... Safe travels to Louisville, and we'll see how things go when we uh, get together next time. Thank you very much. We're excited about next week. All right.
0: You've been listening to The Mesh